0: As some of you may know, I co-host a podcast called Popping Collars. Its tagline is The podcast that lives at the intersection of religion and pop culture. Our episodes consist of examining a current TV show or film or discussing a theme that we've chosen and dissecting what it reveals about religion or faith in the secular world of pop culture. For our most recent podcast, we four co-hosts each picked a favorite Christmas movie and dissected its holiday message. While my three companions chose more recent films, Will Ferrell's Elf, uh, Bill Murray's Scrooge, and the improbably chosen 1984 film Gremlins, Uh, I went with a classic, It's a Wonderful Life. Now, for those of you who, like two of my three co-hosts, have somehow not yet seen this 1946 movie and don't want the ending spoiled, uh, I invite you now to put in your earplugs. (laughs) For the rest of you, I am going to summarize the plot points that pertain to my message in one single long sentence. George Bailey grows up in the small town of Bedford Falls, but has always wanted to escape it, to travel and to see the world. But because his compassionate father opened a savings and loan to help the working class poor and newly arrived immigrants when mean Mr. Potter's bank wouldn't front them alone for their house, and then said father had a heart attack and died, George was then left with a choice of letting the town down to travel the world, or staying put and saving the savings and loan. So he winds up doing the selfless deed and spending his whole life in that little town, marrying a sweet local gal, having four or five kids, and becoming integral to Bedford Falls. Which, however, still leaves him a little bitter at never having gone to see the world, even though he's got so much to be thankful for in his hometown, until one day, A money deposit from the savings and loan to Mr. Potter's bank goes missing and results in the probable incarceration of George Bailey for misappropriation of funds unless he can come up with thousands of dollars in less than a day. And so he despairs on Christmas Eve, hating that he ever had to stay in this miserable little town, as he puts it and suddenly realizing that because of his life insurance policy, he'd actually be more valuable to everyone dead than alive. And so he tries to jump off a bridge and end it all. But Clarence, an angel sent from heaven to help George through his despair, plunges into the river first, which prompts the do-gooder George to save him. And then Clarence grants George the wish of seeing what the world would be like if he'd never been born. And you know, it's not a pretty sight because Bedford Falls is renamed Pottersville and the town is corrupt, full of slum housing and there are shootouts on Main Street and no one trusts anyone in town and various people George helped out over the years because he's dead are now in prison or drunks or old maid librarians. And so he finally realizes that what he did in that one small little nothing of a town mattered more than he could have ever realized. And so he finally understands that it truly is a wonderful life, no matter that he never got to see Paris or Rome, because the most important thing in life is relationships and what we do to make this world a better place. And so George begs Clarence to let him live again, and he wakes up to his old life and goes to his house where the whole town is waiting for him because Mary, his wife called everyone on the phone to say that George was in trouble, and so all the people he had ever helped, and even some he hadn't, are crowded into his house with wads of cash in their hands to help him pay that huge debt and avoid imprisonment, even if giving him money will set them back. And all this because they love him and recognize what a blessing he's been in their life, and his selfless behavior all those years have made them better people too. And the message for me and for you is this. Don't you ever think that those little kindnesses and gifts and generosities you do in your life don't matter because they do matter very much and you will never know, and it is not your business to know, the impact your selflessness will have on someone else. That was one sentence. my one co-host that had seen It's a Wonderful Life said something on the podcast that I had never thought of before. He said, that movie is about calling. It's about what God has called you to do that will likely not be what you had planned for your life. George wanted to travel, and he never got to. What he got instead was transformation of a different sort, not of his own choosing, but wonderful nonetheless. And the lives he saved and bettered are a testament to the worth of his work. And so it is with Joseph in today's Gospel reading. A righteous man, it says he is. An older man, kind, quiet, and unassuming. A carpenter, living a pious life, playing by all the rules. Who finds himself betrothed to a young girl whom he doesn't know very well. Joseph soon discovers that Mary is pregnant, and it's obviously not his. If he makes this fact public, she could be stoned to death, as Levitical law prescribed for such behavior. If he quietly dismisses her, she'd probably be forced to beg in the streets or turn to prostitution to feed herself and her child. If he marries her, his simple, by-the-book life will become complicated forever tainted with that long ago scandal as he raises a son and heir, not his own. Now Matthew's gospel doesn't go into Joseph's thought process around this, but in a non-canonical gospel, one not found in the Bible, called the Proto-Evangelium of James, written sometime in the second century, we have this reaction from Joseph to Mary's pregnancy. He struck his face and threw himself on the ground in sackcloth and wept bitterly. That response makes perfect sense. But then an angel appears to Joseph in a dream, which you can see beautifully portrayed on your bulletin cover. And the angel delivers the news of Joseph's calling. You are to marry her and raise the child as your own, for he will save his people from their sins. But even with that divine visitation, it could not have been a simple choice. Perhaps like George Bailey, when Clarence comes to him, Joseph may have wished he were dead. This is not what he signed up for, not what he'd worked hard all his life to enjoy doing in his twilight years. But much like Mary herself, Joseph said yes to God's call. And by taking up that mantle of responsibility, he played his part in the salvation narrative. (sighs) He played his part in the salvation narrative and helped transform innumerable souls over the centuries. Though his part may have been small, it mattered greatly that he answered God's call to service. And now I must confess to you something I probably shouldn't. (laughs) I'm not always happy in my call. This priesthood thing can be overwhelming. In the four weeks between the interfaith Thanksgiving service and Christmas Day, I will have prepared and preached nine distinct sermons, given a three-part presentation on pilgrimage, and produced 20 different service bulletins, along with all the usual work of a parish priest. I'm worn out. I was sick for two weeks, and there were times when I dreamed of doing something else. Or nothing at all, frankly. Just this Friday, two days ago, William and I took a 36-hour vacation to Carmel to meet a friend from Long Beach. It was hard to come back yesterday after two huge breakfasts, a walk to the beach, shopping, dinner at a delicious French restaurant, and relaxing with a book by the fireplace in our hotel room on Friday night. But, like George Bailey, like St. Joseph, And yes, like you, I am called to try and make a difference in my little town. And sometimes it's hard and looks nothing like we had planned. I tell you this not so that you'll feel sorry for me. Oh, maybe a little. (laughs) I tell you this because I know for a fact that many of you have had your own seasons of challenge and most of you will have them again. Those times when you want to give up, to do your own version of jumping off a bridge or throwing yourself on the ground in sackcloth, when you want to walk away. But however much I would like to join you in a footloose and fancy-free lifestyle, that is not our call. Mine is to the priesthood, because frickin' I'm good at it, and I believe it matters. You are called to something as well. Maybe you already even know what that is, or maybe you don't, but it's now time to stop avoiding and start praying about it so that God can reveal it to you. What I do know are two things. One, each and every one of you is called by God to something. I don't care how old or poor, or troubled, or rich, or unbelieving, or content you are, there is a task that's been set apart for you in particular to do. And two, if fulfilling that call always makes you happy or brings you joy, it's not the right call. You're doing something easier than your call so as to remain comfortable or live unchallenged by God's task for you. Transformation is a crucible, not a cakewalk. Even so, along with those whose lives you will touch, the life you save may be your own. But, oh, my friends, there is good news. George Bailey came home to a house full of friends and family in his time of need. St. Joseph raised a son to save the world and was blessed by a loving partner with whom to spend his twilight years. I get to spend this season of time with you to love and be loved by. And you too will be met with more abundance and deeper joy than you could have asked for or imagined when you say yes to your call. Today is the fourth Sunday of Advent, and as the collect says this morning, it's time to prepare a mansion in yourself for the coming of the Christ. Time to rearrange the furniture of your soul and invite Jesus in through your acts of kindness to others. Time to dust off and polish that generous heart of yours and let it glow. Time to change the sheets of self-involvement for ones of service. And not just for Christmas, but for always. It is a wonderful life. Remember that. We had a funeral here on Thursday, and the gospel reading was from John. When Jesus, at the Last Supper, on the last night of his life, tells his friends, In my Father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? Even as we prepare to receive Christ into the messy manger of our heart, he prepares for us a place in which to dwell forever. Make your preparations count. In the opening scene of It's a Wonderful Life, God is a star in the sky that twinkles when talking. And God is having a conversation with two other twinkling stars. One of them is Clarence, the angel about to be sent down to help George Bailey on earth through his dark night of the soul. The other twinkling star is Joseph. It just may be that Hollywood, in its wisdom, knew something that we perhaps have just now realized this morning. Joseph is a kind of patron saint for those who accept God's call as hard as it may be. St. Joseph, pray for us. And may we always perceive God's abundant grace at work in our soul, fulfilling in us the call for which we have been chosen. Amen. Amen.